It's Thursday on Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Happy to be back for another day. Hope you guys are having a great day out there as well. A lot to get to on today's show. Randy Johnson from the Star Tribune joins me here in just a few minutes to talk all things hockey. Gophers men's hockey team has a big series this weekend against Michigan. Gopher women's hockey team is in the uh, WCHA playoffs. The Wild have a big game if they're going to cling to any sort of playoff hopes. Um, with the trade deadline just a little over a week away, they play Nashville in Nashville tonight, a team they're chasing in the standings and losing sight of quickly after Nashville's been hot and the Wild lost the other night. So lots of hockey talk with Randy Johnson here in just a little bit. Have a Vikings thought towards the end of the show as well about Brian Flores and some things that Kevin O'Connell said about how happy he is to have his defensive coordinator back for a second year and what that will mean for the Vikings this year. First, though, what did I miss? It's all basketball at the jump, and that means it's all Caitlin Clark at the very, very jump. Iowa women's basketball star lights up Williams Arena on Wednesday. We've been waiting for it. It's kind of one of those things where you have a lot of anticipation for something, right? You know Caitlin Clark, this amazing basketball player, is coming here. The game's been sold out for months. She's this kind of she's this national spectacle, national superstar. She's been playing you know, phenomenal basketball all season. And so you're like, okay, can the can the reality live up to the hype? Is it really going to be a special night? As it turns out, it is. Caitlin Clark goes for 33 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds, a triple-double in just 29 minutes of action. Iowa absolutely blasts the Gophers 108 to 60. I've got three main points I want to make off this game. Obviously, number one, the greatness of Caitlin Clark. She passes Lynette Woodard on the all-time Division I scoring list. She is now the all-time Division I leader. She had broken the NCAA mark a week or so ago. Now she breaks the Division I record, goes back even before NCAA took over women's basketball. And some interesting things that went along with that. One, um, a lot of people upset that Peacock, which broadcast the game, didn't mention um, Caitlin Clark breaking Lynette Woodard's record when it happened in the moment. It happened late in uh, what happened when the, with the shot that she made her final points on to get to 33. Um, but they did not mention that, nor did, it, nor did they ask her about it post-game. Now, Caitlin Clark and Lisa Bluter, the Iowa head coach, were certainly asked about it post-game, and they had some interesting thoughts, basically saying the NCAA didn't want to recognize this record. They're trying to ignore it. Here first is Lisa Bluter, Iowa head coach, on this subject. Tonight is the night of the real record. Um, to me, you know, for the AIAW record that Lynette Weddard held, um, that was the real one. You know, for some reason, the NCAA does not want to recognize the basketball that was played prior to 1982, and that's wrong. Um, we played basketball back then. They just don't want to recognize it. And that hurts the rest of us that were playing at that time. You know, I mean, there's no reason why that should not be the true record. And, um, you know, at a school like Iowa that has been so rich in AIAW history, um, I just want to make sure we acknowledge Lynette's accomplishments in, in the game of basketball. But congratulations to Caitlin for being the true basketball leader in points tonight. She was extraordinary tonight, I believe. Um, she had um, you know, triple-double uh, to go with her points. Um, 12 assists, you know, as a team we had 30 assists on 12 turnovers, so we passed the ball really well tonight. And when we do that, we can be dangerous. 
Love that answer, right? Because basketball is basketball. Like the men's records that existed a long time ago when NCAA was still sanctioning men's basketball, those are recognized. Those are always brought up. It doesn't matter how long ago it was. Just because Woodard played before the NCAA was sanctioning basketball doesn't mean it wasn't basketball back then. Um, so Caitlin Clark was asked about it as well. She gave a similar answer to her head coach, Lisa Bluter. Here is Caitlin Clark after the game. Super cool. Like Coach Bluter said, it's like, you know, the NCAA didn't want to recognize women and what they did um, back in the 1980s. Um, and, you know, I think it just speaks to the foundation that these players have laid for us to have opportunities to be able to play in environments, environments like this and in front of crowds like this. Um, so I wouldn't have the opportunity to be able to do what I'm doing every single night if it wasn't for people like her. And um, obviously there's so many great players across the board. So um, I'm just really thankful and grateful to have those people that have come before me. Um, and yeah, it's, it's super special. Um, you know, obviously she's one of the best all times, could certainly score the ball. Um, but I think it just shows, you know, Title IX is not that long ago. 50 years is not that long ago. Um, and I think it just still shows the room that we have to improve and um, where women's sports is, is going is a really great place. So the bottom line now is Clark has scored more points than any women's basketball player in Division I history, regardless of era, regardless of who is sanctioning the games at the time. Um, just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. She's only 17 points shy now of, of Pete Maravich's all-time you know, men's or women's scoring record. She should break that, you would imagine, probably in her next game with the rate she scores at. Um, just a phenomenon, right? Sold out Williams Arena. Lots of lots of Iowa fans in the stands. Curious Gophers fans, things like that. Uh, makes you uh, makes you wonder what's in store, and I'll get to that here in just a little bit. But the second point I want to make is, as much as this night was about a celebration of Caitlin Clark, about a coronation of her passing this record, about just celebrating her greatness, I can't help but be disappointed in the Gophers right now. 108 to 60. I know they're missing Mara Braun. I know they're missing Sophie Hart. And, you know, Lisa Bluter, the Iowa head coach, even tried to give them some grace. Here she was after the game talking about the challenges they have faced this season. You know, Dawn was really has been dealt a tough hand. When you lose Mara Braun and you lose Sophie Hart, those are two really good players. And so, you know, I, I feel for her because that is a really tough situation that she's been dealt, uh, especially as a first-year coach here. That was kind of her, and it's true, but still, 108-60. to 60, That score bothers me. I think it bothered Don Plitzowite, the Gophers head coach, too, because this was a team that before Mara Braun got hurt was trending towards an NCAA tournament appearance. They've only won one game since then. They've Their season has gone completely off the rails. 15 and 13 overall, but 5 and 12 in the Big Ten. Just a disappointing way this season has gone. And again, I know you take away your, probably your two best players or two of your best players. Certainly your one best player, Mara Braun, and then Sophie Hart got hurt later on uh, in that stretch. You take them away. You take away your two, two top players from any lineup. You're going to struggle. I still don't feel like that gives you the the license or gives you the latitude to lose a game 108 to 60 on your home court. The, you know, the, it was even it was closer earlier this year in Iowa. I think the score was like 94-71. Everybody has a hard time stopping Caitlin Clark. I get it. Everybody has a hard time stopping this high-powered, excellent Iowa offense. They're one of the best teams in the country. Still, 
I'm disappointed with the way this season has finished for the Gophers, and I I feel like there's a lot of regrouping to be done in the offseason, even with the injuries they have had, and even with the grace that they have been extended by some of these other coaches coming in who are beating the Gophers right now. Final thought on that, uh, which which both is a Caitlin Clark and a Gophers thought, um, Big Ten tournaments here in just a couple weeks. It's going to be quite the Caitlin Clark show again. I mean, they'll they'll be here again. I will be here again. That whole tournament sold out. You imagine the Caitlin Clark effect has a big part of that. Should be an amazing thing. She will almost certainly have broken Pete Maravich's record by that point. And we'll see just more of the same, more of this kind of dominance of women's basketball in this in this market, in this in this state, in this country right now. And that should be an amazing experience to see her come back again. Um, you know, I don't think that I don't think people will be tired of it. I think it'll be like, wow, here she comes again. It's going to be a fascinating, fun thing for the Gophers. It's a chance to regroup, but yeah, it's it's too it's really too bad because with the tournament here this year, men's tournament here as well, men's Big Ten tournament here as well, a chance to really make some noise, showcase yourself, and that just does not happen so far this year for the Gophers ever since Mara Braun's injury. Now, Don Plitzowite might want to have some joint practices with Ben Johnson's uh, men's Gophers team. Maybe they can both learn a little defense. Ben Johnson's Gophers lose 105-97 to uh, to Illinois on, uh, on Wednesday night, the same night the Gophers played Iowa in women's basketball. Now, again, that game was closer. That was kind of a track meet up and down all the way. Gophers were competitive in that game. Dawson Garcia, a lot of points, but 105 the Gophers give up. The women give up 108. Defense optional. That is disappointing right now because the Gophers men, they need all the wins. They can get Illinois, one of the best teams in the country, just like Iowa. They're in the top 20, so that was a tough a tough ask of them regardless. But you've got to do better than that at this time of year. You've got to have a better defensive effort this time of year because you are trying to win every game. Probably means the Gophers, barring some sort of long Big Ten tournament run, need to win out in these final three Big Ten games to have a realistic chance at the NCAA tournament. We were talking about that just a couple games ago. Hey, the opportunity here. You got Nebraska on the road. You got Illinois on the road. One more road game against Northwestern, which is playing really well, too. And then home games against Penn State and Indiana. Winnable games. All of these games, winnable games. But you've got to be able to execute and compete and play better defensively, which they just did not do enough of Wednesday. So really puts Ben Johnson's team behind the eight ball. Really means they have to probably win out and then win at least one, maybe two games in the Big Ten tournament. Season has been a success no matter what, I would still say, just because of where they were last year, what the projections were, but a chance to take a season from improved to special still exists, but they have to be better down the stretch. And finally, a team that uh, has not had a problem playing defense this year, Timberwolves. They beat the Memphis Grizzlies 110-101. Anthony Edwards puts the clamps down on Jaron Jackson Jr., who was red hot for Memphis, had made this a more competitive game than the Wolves might have liked. Really turned momentum in the second half. Wolves win. Anthony Edwards has 34 points. He is a star on both ends of the court in this game. The larger takeaway from this, Wolves are 42 and 17 now 42 and 17 42 if that stands out to you that's the number of games they won all last season this is the kind of year they hoped they would have last year but last year was a slog a grind 42 and 40 was the final product and Carl Anthony Towns hurt for most of last season Rudy Gobert wasn't himself everybody looked upset 
angry, annoyed with each other a lot of points last year. Jaden McDaniels punched a wall right before the playoffs started. Rudy Gobert tried to punch Kyle Anderson. I mean, you remember all that, right? This was not a fun thing last year. Everything has gone complete 180 on this team to the point now where they have 25 games left in the season. They've already won as many as they did last year, winning in a lot of different ways. But defense has been the constant for them this season. Got it done again in this game. And now we'll see, you know, we'll see kind of how these last 25 games go, right? How how much do they want to get this number one seed in the West? How much does that matter to them versus making sure some guys are getting some rest, things like that? One thing that's continued in the last few games, Monty Morris, their trade deadline acquisition, giving Mike Conley much-needed lower minutes in some of these games, um, played really well again the other night. He's just a solid veteran point guard. Even without Kyle Anderson in the lineup, they've got enough ball handling now where they can you know, kind of give Mike Conley more of that time off. That's going to be essential as the playoffs roll around. So you got to like where this team is at right now, and you have to love the fact that they have 42 wins with 25 games left after after winning 42 all of last year and still, by the way, being a playoff team a year ago. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Let's bring in Randy Johnson from the Star Tribune. I want to talk hockey. It's almost March, Randy, and it sure feels like it with all the high-level hockey going on. I want to talk to you about the Gophers, talk a little bit about the Wild. we got the high school hockey tournament coming up next weekend. The PWHL is in full swing. They just played at Mariucci the other night. There's a lot of hockey going on right now. Yeah, it is. If if you, if you like the uh, the sport with the rubber disc, there you're in your uh, wheelhouse right now. And March, as you well know, Mike, that March starts in mid February. It does and go through through mid April for us in the in the uh, newspaper business. It does indeed. It does indeed, and that's that's okay. We like we like games. We like uh, we like to see these teams in action. Uh, go for men's hockey. I want to start there, Randy, because this is their last regular season series. I'm sorry. This is their last regular, yeah, regular season series uh, against Michigan this weekend. Not a, I wouldn't. How maybe you can frame it up for me because the way I look at it, Michigan seems like they have more at stake. They're 14 in the pairwise right now. The Gophers are eight, but still, you want to a go into the postseason with momentum and b be thinking about hey, can we get a a two seed in the tournament as opposed to dropping into a three? How, how do you how do you frame up this last series? Uh, yeah, def- definitely there, Mike. Uh, yeah, it's it's a big one. You know, they, they were off last weekend, so they were able to heal if they had any any wounds, and uh, basically just uh, you know, they coming off that, that uh, Notre Dame series where they they got hammered in the first game, came back strong in the second. Um, yeah, it's just about getting their game in good shape for the for the uh, postseason. And uh, Michigan, yeah, will be a team that's uh, got some desperation in them. They're fourteen the pairwise. Which right now is is right on the cut line. They they would be in most likely, but if you get upsets in those conference tournaments, then if you're in the uh, at thirteen or fourteen in there, you you could uh, get sniped and uh, end up not in the tournament. So Michigan wants to bolster their um, credentials too. And the Gophers, they're uh, at number eight, so they would be right now a number two seed. But you know that's something they would like to cement. You, you'd like to get up a little bit higher in that two band if you can get get in the. Uh, 
you know, the five, six range, if you could. What happened in that opener a couple of weeks ago against Notre Dame? Did we, did we just jinx Justin close? What happened in that game? No, I think it was, it wasn't so much Justin. It, it was more just, they, um, they didn't get rewarded. They, they were playing pretty well. First period didn't get rewarded. I think they got their daubers down a little bit and, and basically, uh, Notre Dame uh, came out with a lot more desperation and played a lot crisper game and um, just played better. Sometimes you'll get a clunker like that. I'm sure the there was um, the Gophers, you know, would uh, like to think that that's an uh, anomaly there that they you know maybe got a bad game out of their system, but uh, they did come back stronger the next game. Um, yeah, it's not something you want to see necessarily, but you'd rather get it out of the way if that's going to be the case. Yeah, you don't want that in March as opposed to you know February. You still got some some game. I mean, that's what makes that's what makes postseason college hockey so hard. Like you have a clunker at the wrong time of the year, your season's over. It's not best of seven like the like no. the pro leagues. You have a clunker, you're done. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. The only the only best of is the uh, best of three opening round of conference tournaments, and after that, it's it's all uh, one and done. Which you know gets you ready for the NCAA's. But uh, yeah, you you want you want to you want to get uh, Get any loss out of your system before Selection Sunday, that's for sure. So that Selection Sunday will be in not too long. It'll be into March, and then they'll play, you know, obviously the road to the Frozen Four, that it leads to St. Paul. There's always motivation every year, but like we've talked about, that is that is added motivation. I think I noticed the other day when I was looking this up that every, with the last three times the NCAA Frozen Four has been at XL, a Minnesota team has won, and I was the Gophers once and UMD twice, but the 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 home ice can carry can carry you pretty far, uh, especially when you have a really good team like the Gophers have this year. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know it's it's a it's a nice carrot to have there uh, to shoot for. I mean, yeah, every time that it's been at the X, it's uh, Minnesota team has won. Um, yeah, I'm sure the Gophers would like to uh, continue that. I mean, I'm sure there's other Minnesota teams here too that would like to get there also. Absolutely. Let's let's shift gears a little bit to the wild that that Gopher series this weekend against Michigan at Mariucci. So plenty of opportunity to go catch them. And then obviously March things will ramp up even more. But let's talk wild because you were over there the other night. They lost to Carolina three two. I mean, this time of year, I mean, we I feel like this happens a lot with the wild where they where they have a stretch of the year where they have a slump this year. They've had, you know, two or three of those, especially at the, at the start of the year, they've been in desperation mode for months. Like they've been in a mode where <clears throat> you lose a game. You feel like you lose ground. That was one where, you know, Carolina is a solid team, but you're up two one on your home ice after, after the first period, you would like to get a better result than three, two. Yeah, basically they, um, it, it was tough. They, they basically, uh, a couple Bad uh, turnover situations or or bad bounces, I guess I would put it. Not one was a turnover that led to the uh, tying goal. Um, uh, uh, basically, a, a Declan Chisholm trying to dump the a puck in and hits Matt Boldy. Caroms sends uh, Carolina on a two on one. Uh, they score uh, twenty five seconds left in the period to tie it at two two. Um, the second bad bounce uh, for the Wild came. Uh, they had just killed off a power play and uh, Carolina got a shot off uh, hits off um, Philip Gustafson blocker, then caroms off uh, the visor of a Carolina player who was right by the goal and pop pops in, turns out to be the winner. It's uh, you know, that's, that's hockey. Sometimes it's uh sometimes you get those, sometimes you don't, uh, but yeah, it, it was a, it's been a kind of a, uh, Wild had been playing pretty well. They had a, a seven-one-and-one stretch uh, right. before that. Uh, the um, 
after Saturday night's win at, at Seattle, they're, they were two points out of a playoff spot. Well, since then, um, Nashville's red hot. They, 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 they've won two more since then. They've won six in a row. Uh, so they're six points up on the wild for that for that last spot. Um, basically, uh, the wild is, is battle. Also, you have St. Louis and Calgary just ahead of them that they're battling with. So you you can do uh, you can do a lot of good things, but one loss can really uh, set you back this time of year. It's, it's just one of the, you just got to be sharp. And the other thing about that too is that um, four of their last five losses have been one goal losses in which they've had the lead in either the second or third period. So, you know, you, you want to be closing those games out. Um, you yep. know, right there, there's seven points. Um, one of those games is overtime. So it was, it was seven points that they missed out on if they, if they could have held on. Well, and you mentioned Nashville and St. Louis, that's their next two games, right? Road games on Thursday and Saturday. I mean, those feel like, you know, it's too late to say, or too early, I'm sorry to say, make or break but you lose those games um you know you lose the, a four point game to Nashville and suddenly you're eight back of Nashville uh it it starts to the math starts to get hard and you got the trade deadline a little over a week from now like you start to think ah, is that does does one thing or another in the next few games you know spur them to spur Bill Guerin in one direction or the other? I know they got a ton of guys with the no moves, but they've got some moves they can make in either direction. I got to think these will be some defining games for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely there. Yeah, that trade deadline is limited. If they would happen to drop these two, then it might make the GM think a little bit differently. Um, yeah, you could see guys like uh, that, a guy like uh, Brent Duhame or, or and and or Connor Dewar. Guys that um, you know would be the Deweys, uh, yeah, the Deweys. The Deweys. One's going to be un- unrestricted, one be restricted free agent. Um, so you know, a situation where if if they are looking to uh, open up spot roster spots for for guys in the farm for, for younger guys next year, um, you know that uh, they still have one more year of that salary cap, uh, fifteen million dollar hit. So yeah, they're, you know, at, the cheaper they can go is is the better if if, if they if they have similar uh, productivity out, out of those spots. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what their direction is right now because I feel like they did such a good job those first, you know, couple years after the buyouts. You know, the the year the the year immediately after the the cap hit wasn't so bad, but you know they set a franchise record for points that year, the 21-22 season. Then last year they come back strong again. They they make the postseason again. They have a decent, you know, they have a decent series. They you know they get they get there. They're at least in the mix, but. Now you're looking at it and they're like, yeah, you're like, what, where exactly are they going with with where they're at right now? It's just kind of hard for me to to kind of feel like what is next year going to look like? I feel like they kind of have to sort that, that sort that out for themselves before they're clear of all of these cap hurdles where they can make different moves at a certain point. Yeah, I, th- I think um, you know, roster wise, yeah, you'll see some changes, but with all the no move contracts uh, that he has there, it, it's going to be tough to uh, make wholesale changes uh, so you you're in a way stuck with a lot of what you have now it 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 i think that there's what they have is shown better than they have than it has for good chunks of this season yeah. so i i would expect a bit more of a bounce back but there that that cap hit you know it it um it does take a toll out you know especially when you add them year after year after year yeah, it does. I mean, just it's, you, know, you think about it, it's, you know, 14, 15 million dollars. It's like, hey, that's, you know, two seven and a half million dollar players or three five million dollar players like those guys. Those would be, you know, top 
top four defensemen. Those would be top six forwards in a lot of cases that they're just missing out on right now. So it's yeah, definitely, yeah. you know, Garen doesn't use it as an excuse, but it definitely is impacting them. And I'm, I'm curious to see not just how the rest of this year goes, but how things shake out, uh, you know, for, for the 24-25 season as well before they're kind of clear of all that. And then, you know, right after they get clear of that, uh, you're going to have to worry about an extension for Kaprizov. So it's an interesting time for the Wilds. Yep. Yeah, it's it's kind of uh, interesting. You see um, where they've loaded up that top line with uh, Eriksson, uh Boldy, and Kaprizov. Well, if you had that money from the cap, you could probably have another pretty uh, highly productive line too, with a couple couple bigger bigger money guys on it. So it's uh, yeah, they they are hamstrung a bit. Um, you know, they're they're cobbling together. It's it you know this year is is one where it's it sure looks like the uh, that cap cap hit uh, coupled with some injuries, coupled with you know, some lackluster play at times has uh, really, really come down and, and hurt the team. Royal Credit Union smart checking accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. Enjoy financial freedom when you open your Royal Credit Union smart checking account online at rcu.org slash go checking insured by NCUA. Yep, absolutely. Well, let's switch back to colleges for a minute before we go. Go for women's hockey. Uh, they have the WCHA playoffs this this weekend. They're hosting Mankato, trying to get to the the final five faceoff. They've had, I mean, this is a program we kind of you know take for granted. It's maybe the wrong word, but this there's sustained excellence. Um, you kind of you, know, you just kind of come to expect they'll be there at this time of year. But they they're rolling again this year. Uh, it's just no no surprise, but I don't want that to go unnoticed. Yeah, they're they're, they're you know it's been a, an interesting year. It's a, a year of transition a bit for them. They. They lose uh, uh, players like uh, Taylor Heisey and Grace Lumwinkle now, now playing for the uh, PWHL Minnesota team. Uh, basically, yeah, it, it's a bit of a retooling year, but they still do have, uh, you know, probably the best player in the nation, I would say, in Abby Murphy. Um, leading goal scorer in the nation, just just a, a joy to watch. Just, you know, she's a feisty uh, character, uh, you know, not not uh, not afraid to mix things up a little bit, not afraid to, to rankle some um some opponents have been a little bit uh, uh, against uh, Minnesota Duluth last weekend. She scores an empty net goal, does a slap shot with with it, and uh, <laughs> kind of like what happened up in Toronto. And, and uh, a Duluth player took exception a little bit, gave her a little bit of a shove. So it, it's uh, she, she uh, Abby Murphy definitely uh, keeps things interesting over there. Absolutely, and they're five in the pairwise right now, so they're feeling pretty good about their status. But again, a chance to move up or down based on how they do in the uh, the conference playoffs before they get to NCAA play. Well, Randy, appreciate it as always. Um, glad to talk hockey with you anytime, anywhere, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good, Mike. Appreciate it. Good stuff from Randy. As always, follow his Gophers hockey coverage, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Uh, nobody loves hockey as much as Randy, so love to talk about love to talk about that with him on this show. Um, I'm glad we got a little wild talk in there as well because it is a big game tonight in Nashville. If they lose this one, especially in regulation, and fall that far back, you could start to see the beginning of the end and maybe some moves, like I said, at the trade deadline, which is coming up just a little over a week from now. Um, don't know where it's all headed. Don't know where it's all going, but, uh, not too much of a leap on leap day to think that they would be making me maybe thinking about making some trades, even with all those no move clauses, maybe making some trades of the guys they can deal if they don't, you know, move up in the standings really quickly here. 
Let us finish with the cooler. Interesting um, story from Ben Gessling today, uh, Vikings writer. And by the way, I'll have our colleague Andrew Kramer on Friday's show to talk more Vikings from the NFL Scouting Combine. Um, you can listen to an Access Vikings podcast that Ben and Andrew did from Indianapolis the other day. Check that one out. But Andrew and I will be on Friday to talk about all the things that have happened so far this week. Vikings talking about you know Kirk Cousins, talking about um, some of the other free agents, Justin Jefferson, talk about that extension. Lots of things have happened in the combine. And oh, by the way, they're also scouting these players they maybe hope to draft uh, coming up here. So lots of Viking stuff from the combine. And Andrew and I will get to a lot of that. But interesting story from Ben on, on Brian Flores and just how you know Kevin O'Connell talking about his defensive coordinator, talking about how he thought Flores might get some head coaching looks this offseason, but really didn't thinking part of that was probably because the you know the defense faded down the stretch a bit here they were you know top 5 top 10 in a lot of categories for a while but then you know had a had a rough finish gave up a bunch of points finished more middle of the pack and a lot of stuff but that defense he overachieved with that defense and I was a little surprised too that he maybe didn't get some looks it's good for the Vikings in the short term, though, if it's, even if it's not great for Brian Flores, who I'm sure would love to be a head coach again someday after being the Dolphins head coach uh, previous to this. It's great for the Vikings. This is obviously the guy they want leading their defense, obviously the guy who was, you know, led the more stable side of the ball for much of much of 2023. I mean, even when everybody was healthy for the Vikings, it was the defense that was keeping them in games more so than the offense. And I think Flores absolutely deserves another chance. It's pretty interesting to think about, you know, O'Connell is secure enough, obviously, to have a former head coach on his staff. You could imagine, like, I don't think this is going to happen. I wouldn't imagine this is going to happen. But like, if things ever went sideways here and Flores was still on the staff, he would be a natural to take over as an interim. But I'm, I'm not really thinking about that right now. I'm more thinking about year two with Brian Flores as the defensive coordinator, steps they can take, guys they can bring back. And Ben's point made an interesting uh, Ben's story made an interesting point about how if Flores does leave for a head coaching job after this season, the Vikings will get two third round picks as compensation because of an NFL rule reading from Ben's story uh, passed in 2021 that rewards teams for advancing minority coach or GM candidates. Um, they'd have to be with the team for two years to trigger those compensation picks. So now that Flores presumably will have had two years here, if he leaves after this year, the Vikings will get a nice little draft haul from that. I'd love to see Flores here for a long time. I think he's great. I think he's done wonders for the defense so far. I think he's going to have to come up with some new stuff in year two because teams are maybe starting to figure a little bit of the stuff out at the end of last year and the personnel just didn't really add up to success by the end. A lot of questions on defense, though. Can they re-sign Daniil Hunter? What about DJ Wanham? What is Harrison Smith coming back? Can they, you know, can they add talent at all these levels? They have so many needs and not that many draft picks. It's just a fascinating offseason. And again, like I said, Andrew Kramer and I will talk about plenty of that on Friday's show as well. Until then, I am Michael Rand. Have a great rest of your Thursday leap day. These only come around once every four years, so enjoy it. If anybody out there has a leap day birthday, happy birthday to those who celebrate every four years. We'll talk to you again on Friday.